listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. We all have lots of roles in life, and some of those roles tie us to certain things of our life. Now, part of those roles can also keep us stuck. So understand that roles identify us to ourselves, and we identify others by their roles, which gives us a place to play. We, we kind of know the rules when we have a role, but we also can get caught in those roles, and those roles can keep us stuck. Back when I was doing my training in marital therapy, one of the things that we discussed is the fact that more that you understand yourself Apart from the roles, the more freedom you have in life, the more individuated, to use the term that we learned, you would be because you were free of all the constraints of those roles. For instance, if you knew yourself, as I know myself, if I know myself as Lee, as opposed to other roles I play, I can think about who am I, Lee, at my core? What do I play? How do I interact with other people? You start thinking about the roles as they are throughout our lives. We're born into a family, and as we're born into that family, we have the role of the child. Sometimes we're born into a family with other kids, so we have the role of sibling. And you also have other family members. You might have the role of cousin or of niece or nephew. And over time, you begin to add other roles of friends and, and maybe even you know, the role of being a student in school. And as you progress on, you might have the role of a part-time job. As you continue on, you can have other roles like boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, at some point, maybe a spouse or significant other. Then you might have other roles along the way like parent or grandparent or aunt or uncle or some other role that's within the family. And then as you look outside of that, you continue to have that role of friend. You might have the role of, for instance, being a part of an organization. You might be uh, on a board or uh, in leadership in the organization. You go to your work. You have that role as a job. My role as therapist years ago created expectations on me. My role as coach these days creates expectations on me. My role as author creates uh, those same expectations on some people. A role as a podcaster. All of those pieces can fit together and create and weave together your story, your place. I want you for a moment to think about those roles and realize that those roles happen really on three different layers. First are the identity roles. Identity roles are the places where we say who I am. So if you said, you know, who are you? What, and, and I'm often asked this at a, at a meeting. Who am I? Well, um, I'm, I'm a spouse. I'm married to my wife. I'm the parent of two uh, young adult children. Uh, I am a dog owner. I have a dog. Um, I, my role professionally, I run a couple of companies and I write books and I podcast and I do coaching. So all those pieces are my roles around me. I also have other uh, things that I enjoy doing. And so then you might say, you know, my role, I'm a runner or I'm a paddleboarder or scuba diver or I do jujitsu. All those things are roles that we kind of assign to ourselves, but they identify who we are. When I say I'm a spouse, you automatically, oh, okay, you know, he's married. I'm a parent. Okay, he has kids. 
And as I am functioning in those roles, there are some expectations, whether they are shared by everybody around us, the same expectations of that. You have kind of a mental picture of what it is to be a spouse, a parent, a child, a sibling, all of those other roles that we might play as identity roles. Then there are these function roles, what we do. So if I'm at my job, my function, my role, right? When I say I'm a coach, what's my role? My role is to help people get unstuck. My role is to listen to people, to help them problem solve, to help them tap into their own resources. Those describe what I do. If somebody says, well, you know, what do you do? I write a book. Okay, well, what's the role of an author? To try to get out information and teach people new things and help people understand things from different perspectives. Those are function roles. But then there's this other role that I want to talk more about today, and that's the attribution role. An attribution role is why we or why others do what we or they do. In other words, how we attribute things to other people. Think about how we get stuck by the attribution roles. So there is this theory, attribution theory, that says that what we attribute to ourselves or to others create some expectations there. For instance, if I attribute to myself that I'm an honest, good person, that's the attribution I add to myself. When I uh, am making a choice, I probably make it from that place. I expect myself to be honest, a good person. And so we do the same with other people. You know, when we think about somebody, we often attribute some role to them on, on what they're going to do, how they're going to act in the world, what they're going to do. We attribute to them why we do what we do. Now, the attribution roles are the two roles that often are, are the roles that often get us into trouble. And today I want to talk about two attribution roles that can get us in trouble in a marriage crisis. Now, before I do that, I want you to recognize that all those roles that I talked about before, they can also get us into trouble. They let us make choices or cause us to make choices. And we have to put those roles kind of in line of importance. For instance, if I see myself as being child, you know, my parents' child, and therefore I have responsibilities to my parents, and that's more important, more primary than maybe my role as spouse, it draws energy away from the marriage. Or if I see myself as parent, which is often true, that we see ourselves as the parent more than we see ourselves as the partner now or spouse, again, we draw energy away from the relationship. So it's very important that we understand how those roles can interfere into it because we're choosing among those roles which one we're going to play at any one time. But these two common roles are more about the attribution roles, the roles of enemy and victim. Now, this role as enemy is very common for couples to fall into. I mean, after all, part of this process is you know, pulling at different directions. And what happens is instead of it being seen as we're looking at different directions, it's seen as being we're against each other. We become, in some ways, enemies of any process that the other person wants to go through. And so I see it very often that one person wants to move in some direction and the other person, no matter what that direction is, ends up being uh, pulling the other way. So here's the problem. If you find yourself drifting into the role of enemy, enemy as a role is 
exactly against doing what you say you want to do of getting back together. So as long as you're trapped in the role, which is what happens when we get into roles, we get trapped into them. When we're trapped into the role of enemies, it's oppositional by nature. And so it keeps us from moving towards something together. So let's talk about that oppositional piece. You know, what's interesting to watch is two people who have made great decisions other places in life, uh, in their lives, begin to try to uh, kind of do the opposite. And so in some ways, what happens in this uh, enemy's perspective is whatever the other person wants, I'm going to go against that. Whatever I want, they're going to go against that. That's when it becomes oppositional. And, and let me just be very clear unnecessarily oppositional. There's no winning of this process. It's oppositional, but not just oppositional. It's blame-oriented. So oppositional, we're against each other, but blame-oriented means we're going to find the person who is to blame, to at fault. Who has done this? Now, one of the problems with that oppositional nature is uh, that the, the blame orientation means that we stop looking at our own process. We stop looking at where we are a part of this process. As I've worked with couples, one of the things that I've noticed that really keeps people stymied is that blame orientation. Because when you blame somebody for something, you're not looking at your role in that same process. They become the bad guy, not just the bad guy, but the reason that things are at this bad place. So they're oppositional and blame oriented, which leads to the next piece. It's conflictual causes fighting. Now, here's the problem. The higher the conflict, the more the damage, not just to the marital relationship, but to the long-term relationship. For instance, let's say that you've got kids, as many people do who are getting divorced. One of the biggest determining factors on how those kids do after the divorce is the level of conflict. One of the biggest determining factors on the health of a marriage is the level of conflict. So whether it ends in divorce or whether you're able to save your marriage, high conflict, which comes from that enemy role, destroys the process as it continues to unwind. So what do I mean by the enemy role? Well, very simply, the spouse becomes the enemy. Your partner becomes the enemy. The person who you are a team with becomes the enemy. Now think about this in terms of other teams. Let's say you're on a sports team. You, know, you might have watched sometimes some players on a team not willing to be uh, on good grounds and you watch what happens. They, they can't play together because they can't work together as a team. The enemy nature breaks that down. Now let me go one more level to this. The effect on the kids. Because if the blame is going on, if both people are looking for who to blame, the kids are kind of stuck. They feel like they have to take sides. They feel like they have to be on one camp or the other camp, and that becomes very destructive to their relationship with both parents. So if you think about that, it's, it's kind of like in the rest of the world. If you look at politics, I had a good friend who uh, was in the military for years, and he said, you know, we really live it out that a friend of a friend is a friend. A friend of an enemy is an enemy. 
An enemy of an enemy, though, is a friend. And so he had all these categories of how the world politics work. So you, you are, have a, a relationship with a child, and that child is trying to decide, you know, if, one per, if they're enemies, who is the ally? And in the process, that poor child loses out on the possibility of having a relationship with both. So wherever the relationship goes, to fall into the role of enemy robs the child of the possibility of having a great relationship with both parents. Okay, so then there is the other role I named, a victim. Victim often is a part of this blame game too. So the enemy and the victim roles are often intimately tied I'll tell you, one of the most interesting experiences in my uh, clinical life is when I have two people in my office, both entirely convinced that they are the victim. (laughs) Both people pointing the other saying, that's the bad guy, I'm the victim. So I want you to notice something about that victim role. It does require the bad guy, the perpetrator. Whenever there is a victim, somebody has had to have done them wrong. Okay, so now let me add one more disclaimer to this. Victim is something, something that sometimes happens to people. You can be a victim of an event. That's different than the role of playing the role of victim. For instance, let's say you're walking down the street on the sidewalk in the right place and someone veers off and they hit you. You had nothing to do with it. It was entirely their fault. Or let's say that you get sick. Something happens. You walk by somebody, they breathe on you and you catch the flu or whatever it is. Just by walking by, you didn't do anything wrong. You know, there was no, uh, nothing about that and you get sick and you're the victim of having caught those germs. Or worse, maybe Somewhere along the way, something happens to you. You're exposed to something. You have a genetic uh, predisposition, but you get cancer. You're, You're a victim of that cancer, but that's different than the role. Victim of something, of circumstances, is one thing, but playing the role of victim is a whole different piece because we begin to build our identity around that role of victim. So here's the problem. Being a victim always leads to being stuck. When you're playing the role of victim, you're by nature stuck. Because if it's been done to you, what can you do to get out of it? You've been pushed into that place and and you can't find your way through that. And so what victimhood, the role of victim, does is it removes responsibility. You no longer have to say, well, here's where I played a role in this. Now, the thing about a marital crisis is that no matter what that crisis There are usually two people involved in that crisis. Very rarely is it that the crisis just comes out of one person's issues. It might be that one person triggered something, one person did something. And and so understand that I'm not saying that everybody is responsible for everything equally in a marriage, but we all have a role. For instance, let's take the topic of affairs. Many times people get themselves locked into the role of the victim of an affair, without recognizing that before the affair was the disconnection. Affairs take two elements. One is the responsibility of both people. The other is the responsibility of the person who had the affair. So first of all, let me be very clear that I'm not saying that if a spouse has an affair, you're to blame. But the circumstances behind that have responsibility. So those two factors, one is the level of connection and the other is the boundaries in place. 
So in a disconnected relationship, since we all are desperate for that connection, when there is disconnection in a relationship, we become vulnerable. Start looking for connection other places. And sometimes we find that in benign kind of ways or or less dangerous kind of ways. Uh, We might throw ourselves into some other relationship um, that's not so bad. Like we, we, you know, we become more attentive to the kids or our friends or to work or to a hobby or something like that. And that's one way that we might get those connection needs met. Now, let me again say that's not optimal, but it's different than the affair. But as some people are at a level of disconnection, And let me also say that the level of connection in every single marriage will vary over time. There are times when you'll feel more connected and times when you feel less connected. When you are less connected, that's when boundaries are extra important. Boundaries are important all the time. Boundaries are what I will do to protect my relationship or as equally important, what I won't do to protect my relationship, what I, where I won't find myself involved. So if I say, you know what, I'm not going to have emotional conversations with someone of the opposite sex, or I'm not going to have dinner with someone of the opposite sex after hours or something like, or or someone, let's say of the same sex to which I would be attracted. Um, Pronouns are, are, are a little more tricky these days, but I want you to be clear that if there's somebody that could be a threat and a fair potential is there, we put boundaries up to protect it. In a wedding ceremony, we talk about that as forsaking all others, keeping other people away from us. That's boundaries. So two things have to happen for an affair to happen. One is generally it's because there is a low, lower than uh, helpful level of connection. The connection is not sustaining both people. And so they're looking, they're hungry for connection and somebody then doesn't hold up the boundaries. So instead of saying, Hey, we're disconnected. How do we reconnect? The person says, we're feeling disconnected. Where can I find that connection elsewhere? So all that to say in the process of looking at an affair in a marriage to be able to understand there's responsibility in having been in a disconnected relationship is different than being responsible for the actions a spouse took to break the bounds of a relationship. Just understand that victim removes responsibility in all areas. And sometimes we need to find a way to get back. Being a victim requires there is a bad guy. There's got to be a a perpetrator. In any uh, any superhero show, right, there there are these victims who are out there that the superhero is going to rescue from the perpetrator. And the same in our life. We, We think about the the people who are a perpetrator are dangerous to us, the bad guys in our lives, and we're the victims of that. And it begins to be tied to our history and to our story. We begin to identify with that role so much that we can't find a way through. So let's talk a little bit about how we take back these roles, get away from these roles. First, understand one very important central theme. That having different views about life and about the possibilities and potentials of things does not make us enemies. It just means we have different views and perspectives. Sometimes the same situation means that two people can see two different possibilities of outcomes. It's the same situation, but what if the capacity of seeing something is blocked for one person? One person can see it and the other can't. Divorce 
comes to somebody's mind because they have an inability to see another option. Let me say that again. When people decide to divorce, it is because they see no other option. Rarely does somebody enter into this process wanting to be divorced as much as not wanting to be in pain in the relationship and they don't know what else to do other than get a divorce. That doesn't make them the enemy. It just means that their perspective is very limited. So from that very limited view, they can't see another way. Now understand that a lot of times at the beginning of this process, both people can't see another way. You know, at some point, both people might have said, yeah, I, don't, I just don't see how we're going to fix this relationship. But one of them went to the internet and said, hey, is there a way to save a marriage? And they found something that gave them a little bit of hope. And maybe they found you, maybe you found this podcast or maybe you found my website and you began to think there's something else. There's another, another possibility. So it unlocked another viewpoint. Or maybe you just believed in it so much that you've always believed that you could save the marriage. You just didn't know how. And so you saw a possibility. You just didn't know how to activate that possibility. And the spouse just couldn't see the possibility. But either way, understand that it's just because you're from different perspectives. And that doesn't mean that you're enemies. It just means that you have different perspectives. And one person might have a more limited view than the other person. doesn't make you enemies. Let's talk a little bit about that victim piece. So what would be the opposite of victim? I consider the opposite of a victim not to be the perpetrator. That's just a bad guy, but to be the victor. Now, that's the nature of these things. The victor is the one who uh, is different than the victim. So what's necessary to be the victor? Well, the victim is stuck in at the mercy of the circumstances. The victor, though, will prevail. The victor is the one choosing the direction that they will go, that they know they will eventually prevail. Now, understand, this is one of those things I loved about mythology when I used to read it to my son. Sometimes they kept getting blown off course and they would have to come a different way, but they always were trying to find their way home. The victor was the one who took on the challenges and kept on moving forward, regardless of where the winds or the gods blew them, continued to, continue to work to find the map to get back home. So the victor in this is not necessarily, do you save your marriage or not? The victor is, did I choose my course and did I do it as best I could? Many times, I'll tell you what that includes. That includes saving a marriage. That includes creating connection with a spouse. That includes coming back into the relationship, rebuilding the relationship, and bringing back what was lost before. It includes creating new possibilities. So as we think about this, I want you to realize that first of all, you are surrounded by roles that you play, that all of those roles can keep you stuck. And there are a couple of roles that are potentially very dangerous to the relationship. One is to become enemies, to play enemies in the role of enemies with your spouse, and the other is to play the victim of the relationship. And by the way, many times both people are playing victim of the relationship and that keeps you stuck. So once you've decided to free yourself up and say, you know what, we're not enemies. (laughs) We may have different perspectives, but that is not going to allow to be enemies. That just means that we have different ways of seeing an outlook and we've got to find a way through this for us, for the marriage, for the kids. 
for everybody around us. And the other is to decide that at no point will you allow yourself to fall into the place of victim, but to be the victor, the one who continued to follow your path, your importance. Now, part of what that also means is that you need to equip yourself. So now that you know those roles to avoid, you know the roles in your life that you need to clarify, if you find yourself at the place where you recognize that you don't quite have the tools to get where you want to, it'd be a great time to grab my Save the Marriage system. Very simply, it's a multifaceted program that allows you to find your way through staying away from being the victim, staying away from being enemies and understanding how you come back to being a we in the relationship, a team on the same side, working toward the same thing. If you're interested in that, please check out the system by going to savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. If you want to skip the line and just grab the manual, you can do that by going to savethemarriage.com slash grab. That's savethemarriage.com slash grab. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com. Thank you.